Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Let's go straight to the Word of God. And uh, let's go to, I want to share something Share something simple. And let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 6. This is something I studied some time ago and just want to share this with you. Now this is very, very foundational. The writer of the book of Hebrews, they say it was, there's no Solid evidence, but they say that the style of writing reminds of Paul. So most people assume, most scholars assume that Hebrews was written by Paul. But we don't really know 100% sure. But if you go by the style of writing and the contents, then you can, you can surmise that it was the Apostle Paul. So he says in verse 6, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, okay, so he's talking about leave, the principles are the basic principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. And the word perfection here means maturity. So he's telling the church that we must grow up and go into maturity. Everybody say, let's go to maturity. The sad thing is that some people never grow up. And it's time to grow up. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to grow up. Amen. Amen. Child, you know, Paul says, once I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I threw childish things away. Right? And, uh, you know, when you're a child, it's okay to be a child. Children are cute, but if you've got a, a 35 years old, he's acting like a cute child, it's not cute anymore. You, you know, so that, that's why maturity is a natural consequence of growing up. You know, it's expected. And if, and if it's not seen, there's something wrong. It's abnormal to be of a certain age and not show a certain level of maturity. So what Paul is saying is that let us not be children anymore, but let us grow up into maturity. And he says, leaving the principles of the doctrine, leaving the foundations. And he says, let us go on into maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance on dead works and of faith towards God. That means that let us not go back into the basic principles again. That's what he's saying. You know, the, the foundational things. And he says, let us, let us go on into maturity and not go back again laying that foundation. But unfortunately, we have to lay the foundation again, again, and again, 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 because some people never grow up. And, and a lot of people who grow up because they, they need to be reminded all the time, you know. And, and they, uh, you know, when, you're, when your kid is growing up, and I remember, you know, my boys when they were like, six years old, did you change your underwear? Did you brush your teeth? Now, I don't do that when my son is like 34 years old. Did you change your underwear? You know, that, that's stupid. You don't do that. It's something he's expected to do, you know. But some people never do. Amen. That's right, sister. Some people never grow to that level. So you have to, 
<laughs> Unfortunately, some people just have to keep on parenting them, you know, until they learn something. And some people never learn. Some people learn late. So we must always keep on revisiting. And But especially in church life, you got people at different stages of growth. There's always new people coming in. There's some who are mature. Then there's new people coming in who are spiritually immature, who are, who are children. Some are newly born again. So for their sake, you have to keep on revisiting the basic foundation. And those who have got a grasp on those things, they sit there and say, well, why is he teaching this? I know this already. And well, you know it, but there's others sitting who don't know it and it benefits them. And, and there's no harm in you refreshing those things for yourself because then you can take those things and teach others. Because I think that's very important that we look at ourselves not just as people who want to learn things so I can have a better life, but so that we can teach others also. Uh, Paul said to Timothy, in I think it's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he says, the things that I have taught you in the presence of many witnesses, teach them to others who can teach others also. So Paul was thinking of four generations from where he was. He was saying, telling Timothy, Timothy, the things I have taught you, you pass them on to faithful men, the third generations, who in their turn will pass it on to the fourth generation. So that's the whole point is that we are not just recipients of the word of God, but we are those who pass these things on to other people so they can also walk in victory. Amen? So anyway, so he's saying, let us not lay again those basic foundations. And he's talking about those basic foundations. The first thing, the first foundation is uh, the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Then he talks about the doctrine of baptisms, and the word is plural because there are, there are actually three kinds of baptism. The first, uh, baptism actually means to be put into something. The first baptism is when we are in Christ, when we, a person is in Christ, and anybody is in Christ, he's a new creature. And the Bible talks a lot about who we are in Christ. When we find our identity in Christ, we are immersed in Christ. That's the first baptism. The second baptism is baptism in water. And the third baptism is the baptism with the, in the Holy Spirit. Amen? So that's why he uses the word baptisms. Let us not uh, lay this foundation again. That, In other words, these are things we must know and be settled with in our own lives. Amen? So... Uh, the first foundation is repentance from dead works. Second is of faith towards God. Third is of baptisms. The, uh, the fourth is of laying on of hands. Laying on of hands. What does it mean to lay hands? And there's many different reasons we lay hands on people. We lay hands on the sick to heal them. We lay hands uh, to send people out to ordain them or to send them out to do ministry because there's an impartation when we do laying on of hands and it's not uh, something to be taken lightly. Then there's a laying on of hands when they said they laid hands on Peter and Paul and beat them up. You know, that's another laying on of hands, you know. But uh, that the same word is used there. They laid hands on them, you know. And sometimes I know you feel like doing to certain people. Um, and then he said and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So these are the foundational doctrines. But I want to talk about the first two. 
it says, let us not lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Now, he's not talking about repentance from sin. That's one kind of repentance. But this is repentance from dead works. Because we often think of repentance as repentance from sin. But he's, here he's talking about another kind of repentance. Repentance from dead works. Now, he is talking... This letter is written to the book of Hebrews, and the Hebrews were the Jewish Christians. That was the, because you had the Gentile Christians, and you had the Jewish Christians. And so, the Jewish Christians at that time, you had a group of, you had two groups of people who were actively infiltrating the church and tried to sway the people, and one of the one of the groups were the Gnostics. The Gnostics believe, uh, uh, the word Gnosis means knowledge. So the Gnostics believed in higher knowledge, higher revelation. In other words, the Bible is there, it's good, it's the word of God, but it's not enough. You need higher revelation. And there's some teachers who have this higher revelation that you cannot get out of the Bible, but they have this special corner of it. And that is bunk and baloney. And those Gnostics are still in the church today. You know, uh, you want to learn about this, come to us and because we have got a corner on this and I can teach you stuff that nobody else knows and, and uh, it's, 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 you know, personal revelation which is above and beyond what the Bible can teach. And, but the Bible says if anyone adds to the word of God or takes away from it, let him be cursed, you know. Uh, and so everything we need to know for life and godliness is found in the scripture. And, but we need teachers, but we need teachers who teach the Bible and not teach us their revelation which is outside the Bible. Right? A teacher is a teacher of the word and not a teacher of his personal stuff that he, he gets which the Bible doesn't talk about. But the Gnostics were people who, who, who believed in, you know, these super duper revelations that only they had a corner to and it would enhance your spiritual life if you listened to them and they would be able to tell you those things. And uh, then the other kind of people were the Judaizers. The Judaizers were active in the church, especially, uh, you know, especially in the, uh, among the Hebrew Christians, telling them that, look, you are saved by grace. Jesus took your sins away. That's great. That's wonderful. We are with you so far. But to live the Christian life, you have to submit yourself to the law of Moses. And, and you have to keep the law of Moses. And that's where you experience, you know, perfection or the fullness of what God has for you. So what he's saying to them, that repentance from dead works, that means that we turn away from this whole concept of keeping the law of Moses. Do you understand? The law of Moses as our, as our means of salvation or as our means of sanctification. Right? Now, but then Pastor Edwin and I were talking about this and you got to understand these days a lot of people talk about grace and they talk about legalism and in principle, it's true. We should not be legalistic because we are under grace. We are no longer under the law. But when the Bible talks about the law, that we are free from the law, he's talking about the law of Moses, as in the first five books of, Mos of, you know, of Moses, the law of Moses, we are free from that law. But 
There are other laws that we are not free from. For example, there is the law of love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now that's also a law, but we are not free from that. Then there are certain laws in which we use the word law. It really has nothing to do with the law of Moses, but we mean principles. And there are spiritual disciplines like we tell people about, we teach people about prayer and we talk about how essential prayer is for the Christian life. Right? So that's a spiritual discipline. There are spiritual disciplines like uh, studying of the scripture is a spiritual discipline. And that is something we have to give ourselves to. And it's a decision we have to make that I'm going to study the scripture. And it's a decision we have to make. I'm going to live a life of prayer. Now, some people even classify that under the law. And they mean that anytime anyone tells you, you must do something that is legalistic. That's not legalism. When your pastor tells you, you have to live a holy life and pure life and not sin, that is not legalism. Just because somebody tells you to do something doesn't make it legalistic. Amen. Amen. Legalism, strictly speaking, legalism means when a Christian reverts to the law of Moses as the means of salvation, acceptance by God, or sanctification in his life. That I must study the law of Moses and keep the law of Moses and by doing so, God will accept me. That is legalism. To tell people to you must live a holy life and live a pure life because holiness and purity pleases God and to tell people that, you know, you must study the scripture because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the uh, hearing, hearing by the word of God and that you must, uh, you, you must live a life of prayer and talk to God. Those things are not legalism. Those things are Christian disciplines. That's like breathing and drinking water and eating. I mean, that's our daily bread. So those are things we live by. Are you with me? But when he talks about repentance from dead works, he's talking strictly about we must repent from this principle that I need to go under the law of Moses to please God, to be accepted by God. Because that, you know, that is legalism. And there are warnings against going under the law of Moses because even the New Testament, Paul warned the church in Galatians. He says, firstly, if you... If you put yourself under the law of Moses and look at the law of Moses as your means of salvation or sanctification, Christ is of no effect for you and you have fallen from grace. That's very dangerous. That's why we don't go to the law of Moses. That's not our means for sanctification, but we follow Jesus with all our hearts. Amen. So anyway, so that is the first thing he says, repentance from dead works, that we we turn away from our own works. And then it tells us when we turn away from dead works, what do we turn towards? And that's the next thing. And of faith towards God. Repentance from dead works and faith and of faith towards God. So these are the first two of the foundational principles of Christ that we repent from our dead works and that we Turn to faith in God. Now, 
many people would say, well, we turn away from dead works to grace. And that's, you know, a lot of people are teaching a version of grace today that is really unscriptural. And they say, well, you turn from works and you turn to grace. That's not what the Bible says. It says you turn from, from works and you turn to faith in God. And there's a reason for that. Grace is very important for the Christian life. But grace is totally ineffective unless it is coupled with faith. God has given, you know, grace is what Jesus has done for us upon the cross. Grace is actually, we don't even need to talk about grace. If you talk about Jesus, you're talking about grace because Jesus is grace. He's the greatest gift of God. Great, grace is the gift of God. And Jesus is the greatest gift of God. And Jesus has come to this world and he has borne our sins and our diseases upon his own self. And that is the grace of God. And grace is a given. It's there and it's for all mankind. But it is totally ineffectual unless it is appropriated by faith. Amen. So, but when you just talk about grace and you don't talk about faith, you, you are creating something unrealistic and it goes something like this that, well, you know, you don't really need faith. And you don't need to repent since you're already forgiven, which is technically true because when Jesus died on the cross, uh, Pastor Greg, he took all your sins. So that means that as God looks at you, you are technically forgiven and all your sins from the time you were born to the time you die, all your sins have been put on the cross. But that doesn't become a reality for you unless you take a step of faith because the Bible says that, that uh, for with a man's heart, faith in his heart and with a confession of his mouth, man becomes saved. You don't become saved just because of grace. You get saved because you act in faith upon grace. So that's why we have to help people understand that it's not just enough to talk about a kind of grace because it becomes a very abstract you know, a concept which is out there. Jesus loves everybody. Of course, yeah. You could never do anything to cause God to stop loving you. That's right. Yet people will still go to hell. Right? People will go to hell doing things that never cause God to hate them. But they will go to hell. God loves it. Or to tell people that, you know, you don't really need to repent because you're already forgiven. Why even repent? So, you, you know, and so what happens, you're talking about an abstract, you know, concept that really has no power. But what triggers the power of grace is faith. Amen. There's something about, that's why the Bible talks so much about faith. Hebrews uh, chapter 6 verse uh, you know verse 11 it says for without faith it is uh, imp no, sorry Hebrews 11 verse 6 the other way around without faith it is impossible to please God and the word please actually means to reach God or to touch him that's what the uh, Greek word actually means that means without faith a man cannot touch God that means without faith it doesn't matter how much Jesus loves you it, there's, there's nothing there for you but faith is what makes it Powerful and dynamic. Without faith, no man can touch God. Amen. So, 
It says, repentance from dead works and faith towards God. And I wrote down a statement. It says, nothing happens in our lives solely because of grace. But things happen when we exercise faith in God's grace. Nothing happens in our lives solely because of grace. Grace is like a, you know, grace is like a, let's put it this way. If you have a gun, right? You can load a round in the chamber, you can aim it, but unless you press the trigger, nothing is going to happen. Faith is that trigger. When I was in the army and we learned to shoot, one of the things they taught us was how to press the trigger. Because if you don't press the trigger right, we taught a lot of things and one of the things, there was a lot of emphasis on how you, and our instructor, he called it squeezing the orange, that when you hold that grip, you, you squeeze with your whole hand and your finger follows with it, you know, instead of just a, a single action with your with your index figure, you know, and you just you squeeze the whole thing. So we were even taught little things like this, that you, you know, there, there, there's a certain, that's why it is so important we talk about faith. Uh, but of course we don't talk about, because if you talk about faith separate from what God has done, it becomes works. Like we try to make things happen. But our faith is not based on what we want to happen, you know, like we try to create things. But our faith is based on what Jesus has already done for us. But it's faith that triggers those things. So it is, uh, so the first thing is we repent from dead works. And the second thing is we exercise faith towards God. And that's foundational. So faith teaching is very, very, very basic. Somebody said, they, you know, I read an article. He said that, well, the faith movement is over. You know, there have been so many movements go through the church. And we have the faith movement. We have the Toronto movement. We have the Pensacola movement. Now it's some other movement. But faith is not a movement. The just shall live by faith. Faith is a way of life. You don't relegate it to something that was relevant for a certain time and we taught faith and that was the time for it. Now we move on to other things. Faith will always be there. Amen. Amen. Faith, faith, faith in God. That's one of the foundational things. So faith in God. Now, uh, let's, let's look at Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. Hebrews 9 verse 14 How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself from spot to God purge your conscience from some dead works to serve the living God? That, now it's not talking about purging our conscience from sin, but it's purging our conscience from dead works so that we can serve the living God. In other words, we have to be cleaned up on the inside. One of the things that the blood of Jesus does, the blood of Jesus not only cleanses us from sin, but the blood of Jesus cleanses us, our inner man from this concept that we always have to uh, keep the law of Moses in order to serve God. Ministry is done by faith. Ministry, if you want to do ministry, you have to do it by faith. So when we talk about faith, because for example, there are certain basic things we have. You know, faith, we get saved through faith, right? Baptism of the Holy Spirit we receive by faith. And then we want to get healed, 
you exercise faith to be healed. You have financial needs in your life, you exercise faith for financial blessings. And each one of these things has certain principles that, you know, so for example, when it comes to faith for financial blessings, I have people who come to me, they say, Pastor, I'm going through a hard time financially, so uh, I need prayer. I said, oh, I'll pray for you, but do you exercise faith when it comes to your finances? Yeah, I'm believing God. I said, no, but do you tithe? Do you give offerings? No, I can't afford to. Well, then you're not exercising faith because faith is not just believing something that, oh, I believe. You know, that's, that's mental essence because you can mentally agree with something without having any corresponding action. It's the corresponding action that proves whether there is faith. So I tell people, if you have financial, you know, I do this in Africa. When I go to poor places in Africa teaching those pastors and many of them have absolutely nothing, I teach them, I said, Listen, the biggest thing, if there's one thing I can leave with you that you can do is to get out of your financial, you know, your poverty, your situation is start to give. If you don't remember all the other things I told you, but if you just begin to learn to give and be faithful with your tithes and faithful with the offerings, and even if you're poor, whatever you have, even if it's very little, be like the widow in the temple. Because there were many people giving money in the temple. There were some big people writing beat checks. Okay, you cannot, you cannot be like the guy who was in front of the widow who wrote that big check, but you can be like the widow. Be like her. Maybe that's where you place yourself. Be like her. I said, make sacrifices. Learn to give. And then you'll see what God does for you. Because faith, faith actually releases the supernatural power of God on your behalf. So these are, you know, so that's what faith is. You of faith towards God is hearing the word of God and believing the word of God. And then, then speaking the word of God and acting on the word of God. So to have faith, we must, firstly, we must spend time in the word of God. Not just listen to TV preachers, but read the Bible. TV preachers can invite, can, can, uh, can how do you say, uh, inspire you. Well, the good ones can at least. They can inspire you, but only the Bible can impart faith. No man can impart faith, on, faith to you. But the Bible can. So spend time in the Bible. And secondly, believe the Bible. And thirdly, speak, speak the word of God. If you have got financial issues in your life, you know one thing you can do? The devil cannot stop you from speaking prosperity. Amen. If you are sick, the devil cannot stop you from speaking health and healing. The devil cannot stop you from saying, with the stripes of Jesus I'm healed. Nobody can stop you from doing that, can he? It's a free country. We have freedom of speech. I can say whatever is I like and nobody is going to stop me. Trust me, I grew up in a country where we didn't have the freedom of speech. I got arrested for sharing Christ with other people. I didn't have the freedom to talk about Jesus. And, but I live in America now. I can say whatever I want to. Amen. And people exercise that freedom. And I'm going to exercise it too. So no matter how I feel, I'm going to say, with the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. With the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. With the stripes of Jesus. Oh, it feels good when I say that. So I'll say it a little bit more. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. 
Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I will say those things again and again and again. Even if nobody is listening, people think I am a fool for saying those things. I will say it, say it again and again. So you can so learn to speak prosperity and speak health and speak blessing over your life and over your children and over your home, over your family, over your spouse. Make it a practice. Because there's power in the tongue. You ultimately become what your mouth says. That's why it's so important. Now, so those are basic things that we need. And we exercise faith. But then for me, in my situation, when you go to these places, you have to exercise faith for souls. You have to exercise faith for miracles. Now that's my ministry. You're not called to do that. I'm called to do that, but I have to exercise faith. I have to exercise faith that I can pay for these crusades. I have to exercise faith that people will come. I have to exercise faith that people will be healed. I have to exercise faith that people will be saved, that, you know, uh, that, that we will, we're going to break through in a dark area where there's so much darkness and all these things. We have to believe God. Believe me, the one thing I run into at every step, it is faith. And we cannot do anything of what we are doing without faith. Things just don't happen. I can't say, well, Jesus, you're the Lord. I'm going there anyway, and I'm just going to preach, and I believe, I just, you just show up. No, what? I have to believe God. Because I know lots of people who go to these places and nothing happens. And I realize one thing, that there's no virtue in just going somewhere. God must show up. Amen? That's what adds value to it when God shows up. But God shows up because we exercise faith. Amen? So, you know, one of the things where people ask me questions and, you know, how do you feel when, when you know, when lame people get up and walk? I thought of it. Who gives a flip to how Christopher Alam feels? <laughs> Just think of it. There's almighty God on the throne. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for these people. And there's a, this huge crowd of people with their needs. And so God asked, Christopher Alam, how do you feel today? <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? He doesn't. He is God. His word is true. But the fact is also that I'm standing in the gap. I'm the one there. God has sent to deliver his word. I can be a bottleneck. So the spirit of God comes through, but he can't come through because I don't believe anything. I don't expect anything. Right? Or I can be a conduit. You can be a bottleneck or you can be a conduit. So I say, here's the people, there's God. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a conduit. I'm going to be a pipeline for the power of God. So what am I going to do? I'm going to speak faith. I'm going to pray in faith. Doesn't matter how I feel physically. Amen. Sometimes I've been and preached in places with diarrhea, you know. Believing God, having faith that no disaster will take place when I'm there. I've been there. Praying in tongues. Lord, let nothing happen that will embarrass me. I will just get up and preach the gospel. When I'm finished, I'll say, let's find a bathroom as quick as I can. Yeah. 
and it has worked. Once I went to India, I had cholera. I couldn't get out of bed. And I could have told them, you know, I'm not going to preach. I, I, I was miserable. It was like, it was like 110 degrees. 100% humidity. I'd been to the hospital. They've given me tablets. And those tablets, when I opened the thing the next morning, the tablets had turned into powder because of the humidity. I couldn't eat anything. Everything I ate ran straight through. I ate white bread and Coca-Cola. That's all I drank for a whole week. And I would get up and preach. And I would say, Lord Jesus, I'm going by faith. And I would, I would, I would just speak in tongues. And I would just speak the word of God. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. And I would, I, would, I would speak. I would wake up early in the morning. And I would speak and speak and speak. Until my body lined up with how I spoke. And then I'd get up. I'd preach for three hours solid. And then after the moment it was finished, I was, it came all over me again. I was back in bed, sick. I didn't stop to ask God, why am I not completely healed? Why? I didn't stop. Because sometimes you just don't ask questions, you just believe. Because if you begin to ask questions and try to make sense of things, it'll kill your faith. So you don't ask questions. You don't try to make sense of anything. We just know because we are people of faith. We are not people of reason. We are not people of understanding everything, but we are people of faith. So I just kept on evening service. Before the evening, I would start doing the same thing, start shouting in tongues. I began to dance. I could barely stand. I would dance and praise God and speak the word. Then I'd get up and preach and finish preaching, pray for the sick, do my thing, come back. And then I was in bed again the whole night. It was terrible, but what got me through that week, and we had a breakthrough, was I decided to take a stand in faith. Amen. Amen. Now that's faith for ministry. It's not like that every time, but there are times you are tested, and when you're tested, you have to pass the test, because it's easy to pass a test when there is no test. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Easy to talk about a test and, you know, sometimes we have this attitude, if our favorite football team won a game, we feel like we won. But we didn't win. We were sitting on an armchair eating Cheetos, drinking RC Cola, and we talk about like we won. But, and we talk about, oh, if that quarterback had just done that, you know nothing about it. You've never thrown a ball in your life, you know. You're an armchair quarterback, you know. People talk like they're experts, but they've never done anything in their lives, you know. But, but the thing is that you come into places when you are tested. When you're tested. And afflictions and difficulties come in life. And that's where faith kicks in. That's where pure grace by itself will not, will not help you. Because if you just all about, you talk about grace alone, it will leave you bewildered. Why is this happening to me? I am under the grace of God. I thought Jesus has already done everything. Why is this happening to me? It has no answers. But there is only one answer. And that answer is when you stand in faith, and you know the word of God. And because you know the word of God, you are strong. And you can stand up in the face of the devil. And you can speak the word of God. And 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 act on the word of God. And act on the word of God. Hallelujah. And that will get you through any test. That's why it says that. 
This is a foundational thing. Repentance on dead works and faith towards God. Now he's writing this to the Jewish believers because in Judaism, it's actually works is everything. Keeping the feast, keeping the commandment, keeping the law of Moses. There was no concept in pleasing God by faith. It was, there's, no, there's nothing in the Old Testament that teaches on faith the way Paul taught us about faith. That concept, you know, of living by faith doesn't, I mean, Habakkuk says the just shall live by faith, but that was just one verse. There's the, but the whole thing is built up around works, around you do this to please God. You do that and you please God. And so you keep on earning points and then, you know, God accepts you because you have scored enough points. That's the whole thing. So that was their mindset and they came to God, but it's the same God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. It wasn't a different God. For me, it was easy because I worship Allah through Muhammad. So I come to Jesus. For me, I came to a different God. But for a Jewish guy, it's the, it's the same God. Right? It's not a different God. It's the same God. And, and he has been brought up to believe this is the way to God. And then he realizes, no, no, it's the same God, but the way to him is different. You know, it's easier for people like me who came from far, didn't know about it, and we discover, oh, this God is so wonderful. And, but for a Jew, oh, it's the same God. But I've never been able to reach him through my works. But now this guy Paul is preaching to me that I can reach that God in whom I've always believed, but through Jesus Christ. And when you come to Jesus Christ, it's all by faith. Totally by faith. And faith is the opposite of works. That means faith is not a modified form of works. It's not that, well, these works are good, but you've got to tweak it a little bit, do it better. No. It's a totally different way. Amen. Let's go to Romans 10. You getting anything out of this? Romans 10. In Romans 10, you know, I like these verses. Verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh in this wise. That means the righteousness which is by faith, this is how it speaks. Say not in your heart, who shall, else, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above? Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead? Christ came down from heaven. When he died, he was buried, he went down to the deep. Then he rose again, ascended back to heaven. So, how do I touch Jesus? Do I have to ascend up to heaven? Or do I have to descend down to the deep? You know, many people, they, they, they feel like to receive a miracle from God, they have to feel Jesus. You know what I mean? So we, we, we close our eyes and try to imagine and we feel, we want to feel that he's there. And a lot of time, we, 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 the reason we like worship is because, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to knock worship, but you see, Jesus said something about worship, that we worship God in spirit and in truth. Worship is not for our sake. It's not for us to feel good. 
We do feel good when we worship, but it's, that's not the purpose. Worship is to worship him in spirit and in truth because he is worthy. He is God. We worship him, whether it's rain or shine, whether circumstances are good or bad, no matter what we go through, he is God and he should be worshipped. Amen? Worship him. We worship him because of who he is. That's why we worship him. But now, but there is that other side of worship. When we worship God, we feel good. But that's not the reason we worship. This feel good of worship, just when it's just about us, it can be a dangerous thing. We see that in the Bible also. Saul, the spirit of God left him and demons entered into him. And when the devils were tormenting him, what would he do? He was the king. He could do anything he wanted. So he called the best worshiper, David. David, play something. And David would begin to pray and worship. And Saul would feel good. It would calm him down. It would soothe his soul. The devil would leave. Feel good. Do you understand what I'm saying? Next time he was tormented, find David. So David would come with his harp. He began to sing and play. And that would soothe him. Now that's worship for me. Because it soothes me. It makes me feel good. Do you understand what I'm saying? And people sometimes criticize. They go to a church and they don't like the worship. I don't like the worship. It's too loud or... I don't like the way he sings or, you know, and it's really what you're saying is about me. I like the kind of music that soothes me. I like gospel, so sing some gospel. Or I like, I like blues, you sing some blues. Right? So you sing the kind of music I like because it makes me feel good. It's about me. But the unfortunate thing is that not everybody has the same preference in music. So you can't please everybody. Right? But worship is towards God. Are you with me? It's towards God. Faith towards God. Worship towards God. So that's why this whole concept. Now, don't get me wrong. It's wonderful when we sense and feel the presence of God. Right? But we can't live for that. Because he is Yahweh Shamma. He is there even when I don't feel him. It's wonderful to feel the presence of Jesus. But we can't be dependent upon that feeling as if he's only there when we feel him. Because there's also lots of times, most of the time we don't feel him. And we should not let that hinder us from believing that he's there just because I don't feel him. So people say, oh, I was at church and, you know, I felt the presence of God. I didn't feel it last week, but this week I felt. You poor you. He was there last week too. Just because you didn't feel him didn't mean he was there. You can't make yourself the thermometer. <laughs> Do you understand? You can't say, look at me. If I felt it, it's there. If I don't feel it, it's not there. All right? So what he's saying is that, you know, who, who shall 
you know it's about touching god it's about receiving something from god he said who shall ascend to heaven because christ is in heaven or who shall descend into the deep because christ is in the deep and so you know you want to feel something or oh, oh i feel like i am in heavenly places but you know what the bible says we are in heavenly places we are seated with god with christ in with god at the right hand of god in heavenly places whether you feel it or not and that's what faith is to believe that even when you don't feel it so here's he's talking about faith who said who shall ascend to heaven have an experience of heaven or who shall descend into the deep you don't have to do all that let me tell you how you can touch jesus and it's easy you want to know that you can do it any time you want without any music playing let me tell you how it says here verse 8 what what saith it the word is nigh thee the word is near you even in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith which we preach that if you shall confess with your mouth the lord jesus and believe in your heart that god has raised him from the dead you shall be saved for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation in other words but this is this verse particular verse is verse is talking about salvation but this applies to everything you don't have to feel anything you don't have to ascend anywhere you don't have to descend anywhere but the point is that the word of faith is in your heart and it is in your mouth the miracle that you want is in your mouth if you have heard the word and that word is in your heart it just has to move say from your heart to your mouth how many inches is it it all depends upon how long your neck is in my case is about 8 inches right from here to here you are just 8 inches away from a miracle if you have been studying your bible you don't have to go to heaven you don't have to ascend to the deep but that word which you have been hearing the one thing i like about pastor edwin pastor greg this church is you preach faith you don't waffle around playing around with other stuff people say we had a good meeting but what did you get out of it i don't know but i had a good time right so in other words you have been hearing the word of god and i know i understand you guys love the word you read the word you study the word so you got everything that you know in here you know that jesus bore your diseases carried your pains with your stripes your healed so you know that healing belongs to you you know that financial prosperity belongs to you you know all these things belong to you and how do i know that because you have studied the word you have heard the word and that word is in your heart right so how far away is your miracle those 8 inches the word of faith is nigh thee that means near you it's near you it's not far you don't have to go to heaven you don't have to go down to the deep it's near you it's in your heart how do i know that because the word has been preached to you and if the word has ever found a place in your heart it's right there in your heart and in your mouth it's at the tip of your tongue so if you believe in your heart and if you speak with your mouth now that's why people say i'm believing god i'm not interested in what you're believing i'm interested in what you're saying 
Amen? You can believe a lot of things, but what is it that you say? It's in your heart, in your mouth. So, if you believe in your heart and you speak in your mouth, that is why. That is how salvation takes place. That is how healing takes place. That's how miracles take place. You believe in your heart, you speak with your mouth. That's what I mean by faith towards God. Grace is Jesus has already done it. He has put it in place. It is there for us. But what triggers the grace of God is faith. Hallelujah. When a man or a woman says, yes, I know the word of God and, and I know it. You know, Peter and John, when they were going to the temple, they see this crippled man. People didn't, you know, Peter didn't have any money with him. And Peter knew what he didn't have. He knew he didn't have any money at that moment, but he also knew what he had. You have to speak it out. He says, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have, I give to you. Yes. He didn't say, okay, well, I forgot my wallet, but let's see what God will do. Well, brother, nothing happened, but don't be discouraged. He didn't say that. He had something. He says, I don't have silver, I don't have gold, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And you know what he did? He took the man's hand and pulled him up. Sit down, brother. I got excited, you know. But do you, do you understand what I'm saying? But that's, you know what you don't have, but you know what you have. And the word of faith is near you. It's in your heart. Amen. The word of faith is near you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. The word of faith, which we speak. Paul says we have the spirit of faith. That's why I believe and I speak. The spirit of faith is to believe something and to say something. And that's foundational. He said that's one of the foundations. Let us go away from it and go into maturity. Some people think that if they walk in faith, they're mature. Uh-uh, that's just the beginning. Amen. Maturity is when you begin to ex exercise faith for other people. Amen. Basic is exercising faith for yourself. Maturity is exercising faith for other people. When you help others grow, when you others get others healed, when you teach others, come on, brother, I want you to do prosper. I want you to do well. Let, let's, let's do this together. You can do it. That's faith. That's maturity. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.